Good morning, everyone. Right. Um, well, we've been talking today about the wise and foolish builders, and I think at this point we now know we are trying to be like the wise builder. That's what we should be aiming for. So how do we do this? Well, let's talk about it. From verses 24 and 26 of the passage just read in Matthew 7, it says, 24, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Verse 26, and everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. So both builders listened and heard to what Jesus said, but only one of them obeyed and actually did it. And this is where the importance lies. Not just listening to Jesus' words, but also obeying. Verses 25 and 27 detail how the rains fell, the floods came, the winds blew. But it was the house on the rock that stood firm and withstood it all. What this is saying is, whether you're Christian or aren't, following Christ or aren't, believe in God, don't, or maybe you're just unsure, we will all still face the storms, the winds, the rains of life. That's the difficulties, the struggles, the disappointments, all of that. We'll all face it. However, it's those, the wise builders, who, who listen to and obey Jesus' words who will be able to withstand life's storms, the things mentioned. Why? Because we'll be equipped to handle what life throws at us. This is one of the reasons why we gather together here on Sunday mornings, in beacons, or in small groups, so that we can be prepared to go out into the world into the next week, equipped to handle what is thrown at us. So, what did Jesus say? If you have your Bibles handy, I'll now be referring to Matthew 22, verses 34 to 40. That's Matthew 22, verses 34 to 40. Because when, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with the question, teacher, which is the most important commandment of the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So a bit of context to the passage here. The religious leaders are having a bit of a back and forth with Jesus. They're trying to catch him out with his words, trip him up. And Jesus, being who he is, responds in a way which only leaves the crowd in further awe of what he said. And of course, this infuriates the religious leaders further. And so they want to try one more time to catch him out. As it says in 30, uh, verse 35, we see the Pharisees' intent wasn't good. They weren't interested in learning more or growing in their knowledge. They simply wanted to see Jesus fall. But even so, Jesus known this. He responded in a way with such wisdom where we today can still learn from what he said. So from verses 37, Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, so this is really important. But then he goes on to say, a second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. So both of these, hand in hand, are really important. And then he goes on in verse 40, the entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Now, kind of growing up in church, hearing this passage being read in Sunday school and youth group, I always used to think, 
oh yeah, Jesus condensed the Ten Commandments into these two verses. The first four of the Ten Commandments is our relationship with God, not having any idols, keeping the Sabbath day holy. And then the following six are about our relationship with each other, with man. Do not steal, do not lie, do not covet. But that's not what this is saying. It's actually saying the entire law and all the demands of the prophets, the 613 some laws in the Torah, all condensed into these two commandments. Well, as you can see, Jesus has made it a whole lot more easier for us to see what is important and what really matters. Unfortunately, it doesn't quite make it any more easier to follow. So looking at the first commandment, loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Well, that first commandment was based on the Jewish Shema, a type of prayer they would say daily based on Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 to 5. And when referring to the heart, the Israelites didn't just view the heart as we would today, a part of our body. They saw it as something deeper. And um, the Bible Project shed a bit of light on this, and I'd like to quote them. The Israelites thought of the heart as the organ that gives physical life and the place where you think and make sense of the world where you feel emotions and make choices. So really, there's a recognized link between our heart and our minds. Loving the Lord our God with all our heart and with all our mind, that's about our passion for God. And our love and passion will overspill into every area of our life. Our love for God will influence the things we do, the choices we make, our thoughts and our mindset. That's why Paul writes in Philippians 4.8 to think on whatever is true, whatever is pure, whatever is noble. This verse acts as a tool to help us have a wholesome mindset reflective of our love for God. Loving our God with all our soul. Now, this is to do with our spiritual being, our spiritual walk. Are we prioritizing our spiritual health and growth? Are we trying to develop our relationship with God and increase our knowledge of his word and how that applies to us in our lives? Do we have a hunger and a thirst for righteousness? In order for us to have a healthy faith walk, we do need dedicated, set out time with God. It's essential for our souls. Now this may look different for everyone here. You know, you may read a proverb daily in the morning or go for a prayer walk or have family devotion around the table, whatever it may be. But that time out with God is so important In Mark's account of the Gospels, he also adds strength to this verse, loving the Lord your God with all your strength. And I think it's important to make note of here because strength, that's to do with our energy, our passions. Loving God with all our strength means we'll be fired up to do the things of the Lord, doing the things we know he has called us to do. I've heard before you can tell someone's priorities or where their focus lies based on their time and their money, how they spend it. And then I heard it recently altered slightly to say, you can tell one's priority based on their ATM, their attention, their time, and their money. Loving God with all of our strength will affect our ATM. And as we discover our God-given gifts and abilities, our intimate times with God will reveal where and how we use them for the furtherance of his kingdom. Uh, I found this out to be true a few years ago when I took my very first hiatus. This was just a break, a time out from the busyness of what was taking place. And it was December 2019, just after the Christmas period. You had school and outside of school events and church services and things. And I really wanted time out 
time to break, and out of that time, a lot of the distractions and busyness stopped and was removed. And it enabled me to have more quality time with God. And out of that first hiatus I took, because there were a few along this journey, I felt God was telling me worship. I didn't know what that meant or what that was relating to, but it was a seed that was sown, and the year to come and months afterwards, that seed was watered based on various events and things which took place. And I came to the stage where I was reflecting and thought, I want to be purposeful in what I do. And music is a big part of my life. And so I thought, where does that fit in? I wanted to be purposeful with my music and, and in a way where I could steward the gifts God had given me. I wanted to give back and help others. And when that happened, everything changed for me. The direction I thought I was going changed. My priorities shifted. The choices I made were all influenced by this. Even taking this gap year, being on this internship, and being where I am here today, all because of that. So I really want to stress to you the importance of our time out with God, because those times when the busyness stops, the distractions are removed, we'll really be able to hear what God is saying to us. We will get clarity on situations we're seeking clarity for. We will get direction, and we will get guidance. So our love for God, with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul, and all our strength, will be manifested in the physical, practically in our actions. But let's move on to the second commandment now, Jesus said, in verse 39. Love your neighbor as yourself. Equally important as the first. I have so often heard this phrase, love your neighbor, in sharings, in talks, in conversations. Love your neighbor. It's good to love your neighbor. We must love your neighbor. It's important to love your neighbor. But love your neighbor, full stop, is not what the Bible says. That's not what it says. What did we just read? It says, love your neighbor as yourself. And that small phrase, as yourself, so easily overlooked, yet it makes all the difference. And this is why. We can't give to others what we don't have or haven't received. We can't give to others what we don't have or haven't received. Let me unpack this. How can we show love to others if we don't know what love is? If we haven't received love or know how to love ourselves as God's creation? How can we value other people's time if we don't know how to value and steward the time God has given us? How can we truly make a difference, a change in or lasting impact in the lives of others if we don't know how to or aren't equipped to make a difference in the lives of our family, the people God placed in our lives for that reason? The truth is, we can't. We first have to have the love of God inside of us for us to know what love is and how we can show love to others. God is love, and in order to know how we can practically live out these verses, we have to look at his son Jesus and the example he set for us while he was here on the earth. Now, Jesus did some great things during his time here on the earth, and I'm sure you could tell me plenty. He performed miracles, he calmed the storms, he raised the dead to life, he gave sight to the blind, all these different miraculous things. But who can tell me what Jesus did when he wasn't teaching, when he wasn't performing miracles in between these events? He withdrew. For example, take the feeding of the 5,000, such an event in front of so many people. In Matthew 14, 22 to 23, it says, Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into a boat and go on ahead of him while he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, 
he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. Jesus had to reorganize what was going on around him and what was happening in order to get that time out with God. What an example Jesus set for us. Just imagine if Jesus, fully God and fully man, had to do this. How much more do we, as human beings, need to reprioritize areas of our lives to ensure we get this time out with God? Jesus is clearly showing us the commandments in action here. He served from a place of overflow, not a place of empty or burnout. And throughout the Gospels, we see what it looks like practically to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love our neighbor as ourselves. Now, Jesus said these commandments were of equal importance, and the reason is because they are. They go hand in hand. Because if we love God, we will also love his creation, his people. Our love for God will be evident in our love for people. And even when it gets difficult to love our neighbor, because there are challenging people, the love of God, the Holy Spirit, this supernatural power will help us to follow Jesus' words and obey them. And when we realize, remember, and really think about what God has done for us, not just the fact that he created the world and us, but that he sent his son, Jesus, to suffer and die a painful death, taking on the punishment that we deserve for our sins and our wrongdoings. That's why Romans 6, 23 says, for the wages of sin is death. That's the punishment we deserve, death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. In light of all of this, our only response is worship. We will listen and obey from a place of love, not out of obligation or religiosity. No, that's what the religious leaders did, and that's not what God wants. No, we'll do these things from a place of love. So back to the builders in Matthew 7. I want to read the first couple of verses, 24 and 25, from the message translation because I felt it really captured some of this. These words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standards of living. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. And that covers it really. The instructions and words of Jesus aren't to add on to our lives, to make it a little bit better. It's to completely change our lives, for us to live a different way, a new way, the right way to live. We've been talking about kind of building and assembling things. If I wanted to know how to operate a laptop, I would not look at the instructions for a microwave. That just wouldn't make sense. Nor if I wanted to uh, build a wardrobe, would I look at the instructions for a table. That just wouldn't work. Therefore, in order for us to know how to live life here on earth to its fullest, we have to go back to the designer, hear what he has to say on it. We have to go back to the Bible, his instructions manual. Remembering, as it says in James 1.22, let us not just be hearers of the word, but doers. One of my favorite worship songs is a song called Build My Life. And uh, I want to leave you with a line from that song. It says, I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation. No one gets through this life unscathed or unaffected by the storms that will come. We are all impacted in different ways. So church, let's build our life on the foundation, on Jesus, our solid rock, so we can be equipped to handle the storms which will inevitably come. And let's encourage, continue to encourage, 
and support each other on this journey. Thank you for listening. Uh, I'll now hand over to Alex.